Hello everyone, welcome to Tiff Totally, Tiffany Leonard here, your host. Um, so, sorry about yesterday, I wanted to upload the episode then, and just a lot of technical issues that were happening on my end, so now I had to re-record everything and reorganize everything and kind of make some mess of things, but, well, here we are, we've made it work. Um, so... Um, I had a topic in mind today. Um, since it, February is Black History Month, I wanted to um, talk about some famous like inventors that you may not have known invented some things that you use in everyday life. Um, but then about a week ago, I was reading on Facebook with one of my friends um, that posted this article Um, And I really thought that this was an important topic because it deals a lot, it's more common than we think, and it also deals a lot with people that do have autism. Um, Sensory processing disorder. Um, Not a lot of people really understand what it is, um, and especially because autism is definitely more and more common these days. Um, A lot of children and adults, myself included, um, that have autism or on the autism spectrum, um, deal with some type of sensory processing disorder. And, you know, I'll be honest, I kind of knew what my triggers were and what things I was sensitive to and overstimulated by, but reading up on 21senses.org, I actually learned a whole lot more than that I didn't even know. And this applies to me as well. So um, it was some good background to kind of read up on. Um, so I want to share, because um, there's a lot of different patterns um, that go into this that deal with each part of our senses. Um, so, you know, one person may be triggered by one type of different sense while another isn't. Um, so it's, it's very complex and broken down into different types of patterns. Um, and that's where I didn't, I didn't really understand that at all, but reading this, Um, You know, I have a better understanding and pinpointing of what my triggers are versus what other people's triggers could be. Um, So I thought it'd be a really important topic, um, especially because I did do a lot of, I did, you know, talk a lot about autism previously and because I do suffer from it myself. Um, And just because a lot of people have no idea what sensory processing disorder is, um, you know, I think it's good to kind of give a little bit of background on it and um, share some facts. And, um, you know, maybe you have a loved one that suffers from it as well, and this could help you to better understand them. Um, And then I will still have some black history facts um, at the end. Um, So, like I said, there's this website, 21senses.org, and it really um, is excellent in breaking down um, what SPD is um, and the different types of patterns and the senses that it is associated with. Um, So, basically, 
what is sensory processing disorder is most people's questions. And I'll be honest, not even I knew how to answer this question. Um, basically, when people would say, well, what is that? What do you mean you're sensitive to things? Like, I would just tell them like, oh, I'm like sensitive to like, I don't like a lot of bright flashing lights. And I don't really like bright lighting in general. Um, I don't like a lot of loud sounds, especially when it like echoes and vibrates really loudly. Um, I hate hot. I, I cannot stand to be warm. I like to be cold and cool and comfortable. Um, so things like that. That's basically what I would say. But if we want to get a little bit technical, um, Sensory processing occurs when the brain receives and organizes information from external sources such as light or sound and internal bodily cues such as hunger or balance. Individuals with SPD do not respond to this everyday sensory information the same way most people do. They may feel bombarded or assaulted by even the smallest bit of stimulation or they might be able be unable, excuse me, to recognize even very extreme sensations or changes in their environment. Studies suggest as many as 1 in 20 people have sensory processing issues and symptoms are typically much more pronounced in children. SPD is generally broken down into the three patterns and 13 subtypes. Keep in mind the exact symptoms will vary greatly from one individual to the next. Many people with SPD demonstrate a combination of sensitivities and seeking avoiding behaviors depending on their level of arousal and how familiar they are with their current environment. Um, so basically, um, this first pattern um, is broken down into, um, this is sensory modulation disorder, okay, um, where People have um, like cravings um, or get overstimulated or understimulated by certain things. Um, so I feel this first one applies more to me versus um, sensory over responsivity. I feel applies more to me versus sensory under responsivity. Um, so over responsivity is. Individuals or avoiders are highly sensitive to sensory input and may have extreme reactions to mild stimulation. For example, they might cry out in pain while brushing their hair or gag at very faint smells. Avoiders often feel overloaded and overwhelmed by everyday situations and as a result they tend to appear anxious, withdrawn, or defensive. Now if you are under-responsive, you have difficulties detecting and or responding to sensory input in a timely manner. They might not notice that the lighting or temperature in the room has changed, for example, or that they've bumped into something and injured themselves. As a result, under-responsive individuals often appear distractive, dismissive, or clumsy. Um, now, for a sensory craving... Um, or seekers that seem to have an inexhaustible appetite for stimulation. However, they tend to become more keyed up and deregulated as they take in more input. 
Seekers usually demonstrate behaviors associated with ADHD, such low impulse control and constant moving, fidgeting, bumping into things, or fiddling with objects. Um, and that's, I want to point out, is very important um, because a lot of that goes and points the fingers to a lot of people with autism. Um, you know, there's a lot of, basically to me, I think of sensory craving as stimming. You know, there's certain things that we do, um, that make us feel comfortable. Like if we fidget or fiddle with something, um, or do certain sounds, it's known as stimming, like a stimulation. Um, and so I really feel like that's where it focuses a lot, where, It'd be a lot of autism people can relate to that um, because I know I definitely can. I don't really respond to the under-responsivity. I don't really think that applies to me um, because of fact I always know when I injure myself or bump into things, I'm not necessarily clumsy. I mean, I may drop things a lot. Like I say, oh my God, I have the dropsies today or something, but... Um, otherwise, like I definitely, I, I'm, I'm such a baby. I hate pain. So, um, definitely cannot, um, relate to me, but, um, I definitely, I don't cry when I like brush my hair, but certain smells, you know, the lights and sounds, um, definitely can be overwhelming for me, um, and just causes a lot of anxiety. Um, so um, I, I thought um, a lot of that was really important um, to kind of associate if you are also on the autism spectrum disorder. Um, now for pattern two, this is for um, a motor disorder. So SBMD, so sensory based motor disorder. So um, there's postural disorder, which affects the body's ability to stabilize itself and maintain a sense of balance. Individuals with this subtype often have problems slouching or bad posture. They may also appear to be weak, move awkwardly, or have extremely low endurance. And then there's dyspraxia, which is motor planning problems. Um, they often have difficulty planning and performing new, non-habitual, gross, and fine motor tasks. They might appear to have extremely poor hand-eye coordination, problems with concentration, and take much longer than their peers to learn a new skill. Again, very important to note that that is associated with a lot of people on the autism spectrum disorder. Um, I want to say for the past postural um i can relate to it um meaning i have some kind of i i feel like i have a lot of awkward movements but i feel like a lot of the weakness or whatever relates m to more like physical disabilities that i struggle with um but definitely for the motor planning um like sometimes i you know, I feel like I'm just like scatterbrained and like have a hard time focusing on like if I have one thing to focus on, sometimes I do okay. I do better with that versus if I have like all kinds of different things going on. Um, but I know a lot of things like I always had trouble drawing like 
in a straight line or cutting in a straight line. And I still do to this day. And I feel like I, I'm more of a visual learner. Um, so, but I still may learn a little bit slower than most people. Um, so, um, I, I thought that was like very important too. Basically, it's like your fine motor skills, um, if you want to put it that way. Um, so now for pattern three, sensory discrimination disorder or SDD. Now this deals with the senses of your body. Um, so this is where you have difficulty recognizing and interpreting sensory information like um, physical differences between objects, um, such as size, color, shape, and distance. Um, you might be unaware of the pressure or force they're exerting at a given moment and appear awkward, clumsy, and prone to spilling drinks or breaking toys. And SDD is broken down into eight subtypes, one for each sensory system. So I took some notes here for each subtype. Um, and first is um, the auditory, which deals with hearing. And um, basically, um, since the auditory system is uh, responsible for hearing, um, it allows us to identify and determine which sounds are important and which can be tuned out. Children with auditory processing issues may crave loud or repetitive noises, become overwhelmed or distracted by everyday sounds, or be unable to detect sounds in their environment. Um, so, for auditory seekers, um, people that crave certain noises and sounds. Um, they might like crowds. Um, they might talk loudly. They make, might make repetitive sounds like they may like to clap, tap, and click, like snap their fingers. Um, they may have difficulty focusing on a task without humming or singing. Um, they like to have constant background noise such as music, TV, or a fan. And they insist on listening to TV or music at a volume that is uncomfortable to others. Um, I, okay, I feel like this is important because just because, okay, how can I say this? And I'm going to say this like this. There are certain sounds and movements that many people with autism like seek and there are many that we avoid so for me i don't make a lot of repetitive sounds like clapping or clicking or anything like that i don't hum when i do things maybe sometimes i'll sing to myself but i feel like we all do that right but I love to have background noise. I cannot sleep without the fan on or the TV on. Like, I cannot do it. If I am doing something such as cleaning, I have to have either music or a podcast or the TV on. Like, I have to have background noise at all times. Like, literally, I cannot sleep if it is dead quiet. I've got to have a fan and especially the TV 
Um, so that is what I seek out. Um, but now for avoiders, um, they may like to have quiet or secluded environments, which I do enjoy with my own sense of background noise. Um, they may frequently cover their ears and relax to louder high-pitched noises like they're in pain. They may be easily distracted by background noises that we cannot detect. They may be bothered or extremely irritated by repetitive or specific sounds, be startled and extremely frightened by unexpected sounds, become overwhelmed and frustrated while working in loud, busy environments, and engage in repetitive, self-soothing activities such as rocking or chewing. Um, so basically, for me... Um, I have noise canceling headphones, so I don't sit there and like cover my ears. Um, and I become, I really didn't notice this kind of sensitivity until I was old, much older. Um, like fireworks used to love them, hate them now. Um, too loud. It, I just, I don't like it, but if I wear my headphones, I'm okay. Um, and I like to be in a quiet solitude environment, but again, I don't mind having, the TV on for my background noise if I want it. Um, so, and then for with auditory discrimination disorder, um, people may speak too loudly or too softly, appear unresponsive or confused when given verbal directions, take longer than usual to process and respond to verbal directions, be unable to distinguish between background and foreground noises, and have difficulty distinguishing between similar sounding words such as cat, rat, and sat. Um, I don't have any issues with that there. Um, and to be honest, I can't really think offhand about with a lot of people that do. Um, but um, I really was surprised to read about all this because... I didn't know there's certain things that I may seek and that I may avoid. Um, and it's with each and every like sense. So this was the part with um, SDD that really um, pretty much intrigued me the most because even though I knew this stuff, I, I never knew like how different this was broken down. Um, and so I was really... Um, I was really like drawn to this. <clears throat> so for the second one, we have visual, which of course is, uh, relates to our sight. Um, and so for this here, um, children with visual processing issues may crave screen time or become overwhelmed in bright, busy environments. Um, and this kind of reminds me a lot of um, my nephew, um, he also has Asperger's like I do, um, and he constantly craves the screen time. He's like obsessed with it. And so that is his visual seeking, um, which a lot of people like crowd, again, they seek crowds, um, prefer toys with bright, reflective, and shiny surfaces. Um, they may be distracted by objects that spin, flash, or move. 
um, insists on clothing and toys with specific shapes, colors, and patterns, and craves screen time and prefers stimulating movies and games. Um, definitely my nephew. Um, he's got to have certain kinds of clothes, and he's just obsessed with certain games, movies, his screen time. Like, in a way, it is ridiculous, but I guess that's what he seeks out. And in a way, I guess I could say I'm the same way. I mean, I like to watch TV, but a lot of times it's for background. Like when I, I need it to listen to to fall asleep or when I'm cleaning, I'll put on a show that I've seen a thousand different times just so I can have it as the background. Like I, there are certain shows I will sit and watch, but at the same time, I just need that background noise. Um, to feel comfortable. So it's a little bit different um, distinguishing between the auditory and the visual in that sense. Um, <clears throat> for visual avoiders, um, some may like darker secluded environments, which would be me. Um, avoid messy rooms and busy crowded spaces. Frequently cover their eyes or hide their heads under pillows or clothing. React strongly as if in pain to bright, strobing, or fluorescent lighting. Perceive dim, normal, or natural as much brighter than it actually is. Be bothered or distracted by objects with bright, reflective, or shiny surfaces. Be bothered or distracted by objects that spin, flash, or move. And they may prefer clothing and toys with muted and simple shapes, colors, and patterns. Um, definitely me with the lighting as well. I, I can't tell you, I just feel, I don't have epilepsy or anything, but I feel like when I see constant bright flashing lights, I feel like I am going to have a seizure. Um, and I've never, when I was younger, I was never that way. It start maybe started when I was Oh, maybe about 20 to 23 is when I started noticing a lot more of the sensitivities. And it can, um, it can just get gradually get worse as you get older. Um, so that is normal. Um, some people, you know, they struggle with it a lot as children and then kind of grow out of it as adults. So it can either get better or become worse. And that is normal. Um, so just keep that in mind as well. Um, so um, for visual discrimination, um, you may have difficulty distinguishing between letters, numbers, and symbols. Be slow to recognize characteristics of objects such as size, shape, and color. Be unable to judge the distance between people and other objects and have difficulty reading the facial expressions and emotional cues of others. Um, and this is very important to note um, with somebody that is on the spectrum because we do have difficulty um, reading like social um, social cues. Um, so it is very important to keep that in mind. Um, so moving on, um, tactile is next, which is touch. Okay. And... And for this, um, the tactile system is responsible for the body's ability to perceive pressure, temperature, traction, and pain. 
Children with tactile processing issues may have an unusually high or low pain threshold and be very particular about the texture of their clothing, toys, and other surfaces. Um, so for tactile seekers, um, you may prefer toys, clothing, and food with varied or specific textures. Constantly touch or fiddle with clothing, surfaces, or other objects. Crave hugs, kisses, and other frequent or prolonged contact with others. Prefer messy play and activities such as finger paint, play-doh, and sand. Tend to play too rough and accidentally harm others while playing. Have difficulty recognizing and respecting others' personal boundaries. And have a higher than normal pain threshold and might not notice minor injuries. Um... You know, I've got to kind of laugh at this because I am so in between with each and every one of these. I I can't even stand the thought of like getting a paper cut. Like I just, it's like it's the worst pain in the world to me. But I do love finger paint and Play-Doh. Um, I, I don't care how old I am. I still love it. I mean, it's fun. And even as a kid, I loved it a lot. Um, but, you know, I, other than that, like, I never was really particular about my clothing. Um, I do not crave, like, affection. Uh, that's one thing I will avoid. Um, let's move on to avoiding because I feel like I can relate a lot more to these things. Um, avoiding toys, clothing, or food with specific textures Dislike being touched, hugged, or kissed, even by parents, 100% me. Absolutely hate being hugged and kissed, or touched in general. Avoid getting dirty and avoid playing in sand, dirt, or grass. Dislike their hair or skin being wet and avoid swimming and bathing. Um, I, I don't mind swimming and bathing, but I hate feeling my hair drip, having my hair be wet, being wet in general, um, hate it. Um, refuse to wear tight, scratchy, or uncomfortable clothing with seams or tags. Avoid play with other children and constantly worry about being touched or bumped. Become anxious in crowded spaces and when standing even somewhat close to others. And have a low pain threshold in response to even light touch as if in pain. Again, 100% me, not even joking. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Sometimes it is funny. I laugh at myself. Um, so tactile discrimination. Not notice when they're being touched. Being unable to gouge the temperature of food and drinks. Have difficulty identifying or distinguishing objects by feel. Tend to play too rough and accidentally injure themselves or others have difficulty recognizing and respecting others' personal boundaries, have a high pain threshold and might not notice minor injuries, use too much pressure when writing or playing and frequently break pencils and toys, and have difficulty performing certain motor tasks such as getting dressed or riding a bike. Again, really think of those fine motor skills when you think of the discrimination. That is really what it plays into is those fine motor skills that you lack. Okay, so moving on to vestibular, um, which deals with balance and spatial orientation. 
Um, the vestibular mm -hmm. system is responsible for the body's sense of balance, motion, and spatial orientation. Children with vestibular processing issues may appear clumsy or hyperactive. They may also have issues tracking objects visually or performing fine motor tasks. The vestibular sense is a function of the inner ear and usually works in conjunction with sight. For instance, you're able to ride in a car without feeling dizzy or nauseous because your vestibular and visual systems are sending matching signals to your brain. Motion sickness occurs when these signals become mixed. The sensation of moving up or down in an elevator is an example of your vestibular system working in isolation. Um, so vestibular seekers may appear to have hyperactivity or behavioral issues, constantly be in motion, running, jumping, spinning, or climbing on furniture, love being upside down and spinning in circles, but never seem to get dizzy. That was so me as a kid. I would just for hours spin around in circles and I wouldn't be dizzy. I love the feeling of it. Um, engage in fast, impulsive, or unintentionally rough movement while playing. Have trouble concentrating while sitting or be unable to sit still for even short periods of time. Um, vestibular avoiders. Don't lift, tilt, or move your child without giving a warning. Hold your child's hand while walking to provide grounding and support. Use a footstool if your child's feet can't completely touch the ground while sitting. Provide calm alternatives to playground activities such as hiking or catch. Teach your child to focus on a static point inside the vehicle to avoid motion sickness. Work on calming strategies and develop a plan for how to exit overwhelming situations and provide a quiet place to lie down after motion sickness or headaches. Um, for vestibular discri discrimination, um, you may appear clumsy or uncoordinated, have poor posture or jerky, awkward movements, have difficulty determining their head or body position, be unable to determine the speed and direction of movement, have difficulty distinguishing right versus left, and may not appear to have a dominant hand, um, being ambidextrous, uh, be unable to tell when they're starting to fall and unable to catch themselves in time, and have poor spatial awareness and depth perception. Um, so all this is very important, especially if you deal with a kid um, that gets car sick, um, and is like sensitive to a lot of like certain movements. Um, very um, important to keep in mind the avoidance um, because that can play into a lot of uh, their balancing um, and even plays into a lot of the um, how they um, react to um, a lot of their motor skills as well um, and developing them. Um, so next is olfactory, which is the smell. And the olfactory system is responsible for the body's ability to detect and recognize smells using chemical receptors in the nasal cavity. Children with olfactory processing issues may have trouble identifying hazardous or poisonous substances such as gasoline, or they may be able to detect very faint scents others can't perceive. 
Because smell is one of the two senses associated with flavor, sensitive children may also be hyper aware of smells associated with food and cooking. Um, olfactory seekers may actively smell everything, even things with unpleasant odors, prefer meals or specific foods with new or very strong smells. Olfactory avoiders may complain about smells that are very faint or unnoticed by others, hold their noses or gag when encountering strong smells, refuse to eat foods with strong new or specific smells, avoid using public restrooms or eating in public spaces. Um, olfactory discrimination. Being unable to recognize familiar or very common smells, accidentally eat spoiled food and or non-edible potentially harmful substances, be unable to detect hazardous chemical or burning odors. However, they might be vaguely aware that something is wrong. Um, so very important to keep the smells intact um, just for the fact of the discrimination. But I feel like the seekers and the avoidance um, is pretty um, basic to even a normal person. Um, but you do have to watch out for those um, that do have, um, you know, some kind of disorder or, or on the autism spectrum because... Um, they may not realize the certain senses of smells and can potentially harm themselves. So um, very important to pay a lot of mind to that. Um, so moving on now to the gustatory, which is taste. And um, the gustatory system is responsible for the body's ability to detect the chemicals in food that allow us to differentiate between sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami, savory sensations. While the act of tasting is technically limited to this chemical process, the gustatory and olfactory senses are closely linked and combined to create what we perceive as flavor. Children with gustatory processing issues may have an unusually high or low appetite or very particular food preparation requirements, such as serving it at room temperature, chopped into small pieces, etc. Um, gustatory seekers may seem to have an unusually large appetite, chew or suck on an edible object such as clothing or toys, prefer foods with specific flavors such as sweet, bitter, or spicy, prefer foods with specific textures such as crunchy, chewy, or mushy, enjoy the taste or texture of non-food items such as Play-Doh, glue, or paint. Avoiders may seem to have an unusually low appetite and or be underweight, be picky eaters and have very specific food preparation requirements. Avoid foods with specific flavors such as sweet, bitter, or spicy, and avoid foods with specific textures such as crunchy, chewy, or mushy. And for gustatory discrimination, be unable to detect flavor or distinguish between flavors and seem to have an unusually low appetite and or be underweight. Um, I fit into both because you know how a lot of people don't like soggy cereal? I love it. Or soggy waffles? Love soggy waffles. Um, so I've, I guess maybe you could count that into um, my gustatory um, seeking. I never really thought of it that way until today when I read this. Um, but yeah, everyone's like, 
you like why like most people toast their waffles right i put mine in the microwave and like douse it in syrup so it's nice and soggy and soggy cereal i like the cereal to soak in the milk so it's nice and soggy before i eat it like most people just hardly like any milk in their cereal and that's just not me i love it nice and soggy so um I guess I can fit that into that. Never would have thought of it until today. But yeah, um, pretty gross fact, probably for most of you, like, you know, all the you, moist, like everybody hates the word moist. Well, I like my food nice and moist. So um, probably grossing a lot of you out right now. But just, you know, I'm being honest, like it's, it's a real thing, folks. Um, so moving on to proprioception. Um, and proprioception is the external bodily awareness. Um, so it's also known as kinesthesia, and it's the body's ability to locate itself in its, it, and its extremities in space using receptors in the skin, muscles, joints, and ligaments. It's responsible for knowing how much effort to use when performing simple tasks, such as lifting a glass or using a pencil. Children with proprioceptive processing issues may have trouble gouging their own strength or they may appear clumsy and frequently bump into walls, furniture, or other people. Proprioception isn't as commonly known as sight or smell, but it's a critical component of knowing how your body is positioned in relation to the world around you and how it should be moving. It's how you're able to walk up a flight of stairs while looking at your phone or find your way to the bathroom in a dark house. Um, so proprioceptive seekers may bump or crash into people or objects on purpose, enjoy rough play and constantly seem to be wrestling with siblings or friends, tend to stand too close to others or touch others without permission, crave bear hugs, holding hands, and other kinds of physical pressure. Proprioceptive avoiders may avoid physical contact with others, appear very timid around peers, and avoid physical play, refuse to play around slide swings and other playground equipment, become anxious in crowded spaces or when standing even somewhat close to others, be unable to properly assess risk in their physical environment. For example, they may believe they can fall into the small gap between the floor and an elevator. And proprioception discrimination. Be unable to determine how much force they're exerting on toys, pencils, etc. Be unable to walk through familiar rooms in the dark without bumping into things, accidentally hurt themselves or others while playing, and be unable to walk up or down stairs without watching their feet. Um, so, I don't know. I, I kind of don't know how to explain that one because I feel like any of us that are like looking at our phone and not paying attention are going to kind of be somewhat clumsy, but I guess it's a little different for... Um, you know, many people that don't have like the struggling mindset, like I know I can walk around my house in the dark pretty much, but I mean, still doesn't mean I won't bump into something like accidentally. Um, so I kind of was like iffy, you know, with that one, I was kind of confused with it. Um, 
So I, I feel like I want to read more on that one like later on because I feel like that can't really fit into, I mean, that really kind of fits into anybody if that makes sense. But that could just be me. Um, so the last sense is sensory spotlight or interception, which is internal bodily awareness. And interoception is the body's ability to recognize and interpret its own internal cues, such as hunger, thirst, exhaustion, and pain. Children with interoceptive processing issues typically have disproportionately weak or strong reactions to normal bodily urges, such as feeling hungry or needing to use the bathroom. They may not be able to recognize pain or symptoms of exhaustion, or they might be unable to properly gauge the severity of such symptoms. Like proprioception, interoception is not as commonly recognized as other senses, but it plays a critical role in the body's ability to regulate and protect itself. It's how you know when you're exhausted and need to rest, when you're hungry and need to eat, or when you're cold and need to put on a jacket. <clears throat> so, interoceptive seekers may have a disproportionately weak reactions to normal, about, normal, normal bodily cues and crave interoceptive input and have problems with self-regulation. Interoceptive avoiders may have disproportionately strong directions to normally bodily cues, constantly feel they are hungry, thirsty, or need to use the bathroom, feel more pain intensely or for a longer duration than others. Those with interoception discrimination may have disproportionately weak reactions or no reaction to normal bodily cues, have a high pain threshold and may not notice when injured, be unable to register hunger, thirst, or the need to use the bathroom until it's an emergency, be unable to detect increased heart rate or breathing and may not feel tired until totally exhausted. Um, so this is important because there are... This, um, also is important, I feel, for a lot of um, kids that are nonverbal um, and they don't really know how to distinguish their feelings or express what they need. Um, so I thought that this was a very, um, one of probably the most important um, of the senses. Um, so basically, that's what I wanted to share about sensory processing disorder. So you have a little bit more um, insight on what it is and what it, you know, encounters. Um, like I said, I got this from 21census.org. Such great information. Um, a really great website. If you want to go back and read about all of this yourself, you can. Um, like I said, I really learned a lot about myself as well, um, reading all this. So it was um, really great insight and information to have. And I definitely want to read more into um, the proprioception um, just because I feel like that really can apply to anybody and not just um, a certain group of people. Um, so that would be where I would want to learn more. But other than that, I really can see myself and distinguish um, my triggers and my cravings from these. Um, so um, I'm really glad to like 
share this with you all so you all have a little better understanding of what sensory processing disorder is. And you don't have to be autistic to have a sensory um, disorder. Um, it can affect anybody. Um, but just know that there are people that are more sensitive to things than others. So just don't think it affects everybody. While it may, there's some people that it really triggers more so. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind as well. Um, so kind of running short on time here. I get an hour for shows, um, for non-music shows anyway. Um, so I really quick um, went on history.com and I want to um, share um, these eight African-American inventors. Um, and I'll share a little bit more um, next show. But this is just what I was sharing um, right now. Um, so to start off, um, we have the lady that invented the ironing board, which was Sarah Boone in 1892. Um, basically, um, in the late 19th century, um, Sarah Boone, an African-American woman who was born enslaved, was one of the black women, first black women in U.S. history to receive a patent, and she expanded upon the original ironing board, which was essentially a horizontal wooden block originally patented in 1858. With Boone's 1892 editions, the board featured a narrower and curved design, making it easier to iron garments, particularly women's clothing. Boone's design would morph into the modern ironing board that we use today. I don't own an ironing board, and I don't know, do people really, I mean, I guess a lot of people know how to iron, right? Like, I, I never have, and I don't know how to iron. I don't own an ironing board. I guess a lot of houses come with them. Like, I don't know. I guess I haven't thought about an ironing board in years, if I'm being honest. I remember growing up, my mom had a real, and she may even still have it. She had a really, really old one that was wood and the covering of it was all stained. Like, I remember that, but like since then I haven't thought about an ironing board. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, um, the home security system, um, was invented by Mary Van Britton Brown in 1966. Um, before they became a fixture in homes, an African-American nurse, Mary Van Britton Brown, devised an early security unit for her own home. She spent many nights at home alone in Queens, New York, while her husband was away and felt unsafe with high rates of crime in her neighborhood. On top of that, police were unreliable and unresponsive, so she created a, a device that would help put her mind at ease. In 1966, Brown invented a system that used a camera that could slide into and look through four peepholes in her front door. The camera's view would then appear on a monitor in her home so she could survey any potentially unwanted guests. She added other features to the system, including a microphone to speak to anyone at the door, a button to unlock the door, and a button to contact the police. She and her husband took out a patent for the system in the same year, and they were awarded the patent three years later in 1969. Home security systems commonly used today took various elements from her design. Um, so there you go. Um, all those wonderful, like, ring doorbells and whatnot, um, you have her to thank.
Um, so moving on um, is the traffic light, or as we like to call them in Wisconsin, the stop and go lights, um, was invented by Garrett Morgan in 1923. With only an elementary school education, black inventor and son of an enslaved parent, Garrett Morgan came up with several significant inventions, including an improved sewing machine and the gas mask. However, one of Morgan's most influential inventions was the improved traffic light. Without his innovation, drivers across the nation would be directed by a two-light system. Thanks to the successes of his other inventions, Morgan became the first black person in Cleveland, Ohio to own a car. As a motorist, he witnessed a severe car accident at an intersection in the city. In response, he decided to expand on the current traffic light by adding a yield component, warning oncoming drivers of an impending stop. He took out the patent for the creation in 1923, and it was granted to him, granted to him the following year. Um, refrigerated trucks were invented by Frederick McKinley Jones in 1940. Um, if your refrigerator has any produce from your local grocery store, then you can credit African-American inventor Frederick McKinley Jones. Jones took out more than 60 patents throughout his life, including a patent for the roof-mounted cooling system that's used to refrigerate goods on trucks during extended transportation in the mid-1930s. He received a patent for his invention in 1940 and co-founded the U.S. Thermal Control Company, later known as Thermoking. The company was critical during World War II, helping to preserve blood, food, and supplies during the war. Um, <clears throat> automatic, uh, oh my gosh, okay, automatic elevator doors were invented by Alexander Miles in 1887. The use of elevators in everyday life keeps people from committing to long and grueling climbs up several flights of stairs. However, before the creation of elevator doors that close automatically, riding a lift was both complicated and risky. Before automatic doors, people had to manually shut both the shaft and elevator doors before riding. Forgetting to do so led to multiple accidents as people fell down elevator shafts. When the daughter of African-American inventor Alexander Miles almost fatally fell down the shaft, it took it upon him, he took it upon himself to develop a solution. In 1887, he took out a pant patent for a mechanism that automatically opens and closes elevator shaft doors and his designs are largely reflected in elevators used today. I don't know about you but I still hate elevators and I try to avoid them if I can. They freak me out. <laughs> um, so moving on to the microphone which was co-invented by James E. West in 1964. Even for those who aren't quick to pick up the mic during karaoke, microphones are used every day to communicate over distances far and wide. And more than 90% of the microphones used today, including the microphones used in phones and cameras, use a microphone co-invented by a black man. Dr. James E. West was tasked with creating a more sensitive and compact microphone while working at Bell Labs in 1960. Um... 
A carbon light bulb filament was invented by Louis Latimer in 1881. The light bulb itself was invented by Thomas Edison, but the innovation used to create longer-lasting light bulbs with a carbon filament came from African-American inventor Louis Latimer. Latimer, the son of formerly enslaved people, began work in a patent law firm after serving in the military for the Union during the Civil War. He was recognized for his talent drafting patents and was promoted to head draftsman, where he co-invented an improved bathroom for railroad trains. His successes would garner him further attention from the U.S. Electric Lighting Company, putting him at a company in direct competition with Edison in 1880. While there, Latimer patented a new filament for the light bulb using carbon instead of more incendiary materials like bamboo that were commonly used for filaments. The addition of the carbon filament increased the lifespan and practicality of light bulbs, which had previously died after just a few days. In 1884, he went on to work with Edison at the Edison Electric Light Company. And the last one on here is the Color IBM PC Monitor and Gigahertz Chip which was co-invented by Mark Dean circa 1980 and 1999. Before flat screens and high-definition LCD monitors were the norm, PC displays were limited to screens with no color that were tethered to computers with limited processing power. That all changed thanks to black inventor and engineer Mark Dean. Dean began working for IBM as a chief engineer in the early 1980s, making up a team of 12 people who had developed the first IBM PC. In addition to helping create IBM's original machine in his early years with the company, he also worked to develop the color monitor and led the team that developed the first gigahertz processor. The massive chip built in 1999 would allow for the higher processing rates at faster speeds within PCs. And so there you have it, eight everyday inventions that we may use that come in handy that were invented by famous African Americans. Um, I'll try to look into more to share on next show. Um, which I will have coming up in another two weeks, provided everything goes smoothly. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening today. Um, and I really especially enjoyed getting the opportunity to um, talk about sensory processing disorder because I really feel like, um, especially like I said, with everything, you know, within mental health, um, things like that really need to be more understood. Um so I really feel like that was an important topic to discuss, and I'm glad I was able to um, get all the information that I needed to cover that today. So um, hopefully, you know, it helps all of you out. Again, 21census.org. Um, if you want to read more on these black inventors, history.com. I thank you for listening. I will see you again in two weeks. Until then... Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.